where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. The state of California passes legislation that reduces the penalty for adults who engage in sexual activities with children so long as the activity is consensual and the age gap is no more than 10 years. Yeah, I just read that. That's true. If you think that sounds crazy, then you're a sane and normal person. But what else would you expect from people who want to murder preborn babies and then sterilize them as children? The school's website shows that Western University, a bastion of unscientific and illogical nonsense, will be enforcing its mask mandate policy until the end of the fall term. But what else would you expect from people who want to indoctrinate your children with neo-Marxist ideas and coerce them to take poisonous injections? The federal NDP party has put forward a motion addressing quote-unquote greedflation coming after grocery store owners who are just trying desperately to stay in business because of government-created inflation and food crises. But what else would you expect from socialistic political parties, including the party formerly known as the Conservative Party, who voted in favor unanimously? And finally, we recap days three and four of the public inquiry to the invoking of the War Measures Act during the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa. And brother, it's a bad look for our federal government. But what else would you expect from our right honorable prime tyrant and his band of buffoons, his team of totalitarians? It's October 20th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is the Liberty Dispatch. Welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Thank you again for joining us on the program. We do encourage you to interact with our content, whether it's liking, commenting, and reviewing. Uh, please do all those things. That will help the program grow. And if you ask a question along with a five-star review, we will be sure to answer that question on air. So if you're on your favorite podcast uh, catcher, give a five-star review, ask your question, and we will air it on the program. So we encourage you to do that as well. You can get all our content on this wonderful podcast network called the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. That's flfnetwork.com, where you can go and check out all the various programs. You can also find us in your favorite podcast catcher, in their feed as well. That's Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. And also, they have a very handy app where you can get our content on demand. That's the FLF Network app that you can search in your Google Play or your Apple App Store uh, as well. So you also want to go check out everything that we got going on at Liberty Coalition Canada. Dot com. That's where we house all our things and you can sign up for our email list at the bottom so you can stay in contact with everything that we have going on, which is a lot these days. So you're definitely going to want to do that. 
and it'll make it so you're unable to uh, be canceled from seeing our stuff like YouTube and other various platforms want to want to do. So you can get hear from us directly and also Please, 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 we we ask you to go over to the website. At the top of the page, there's a donation tab. Please click on that. We just uh, would really appreciate even small monthly donations go a very long way in us being able to plan for the future and bring you new and interesting content. We have so much planned um, coming up here in the future, so we would really appreciate the support. It all helps go a very long way. So, uh Definitely go over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate or scan the QR code at the bottom of the page. And finally, info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. That's how you get a hold of us with any comments, questions, or concerns. Our first story is brought to you by our friends over at Resistance Coffee Company. I don't know about you, but for me, resisting tyranny and fighting for freedoms in Canada can be rather wearying. What we all need is some deliciously brewed fuel for our bodies and our minds. That's why you need your beans from Resistance Coffee. Why would you buy coffee from people who hate you and your freedoms and the foundations of what make Canada such a great country? Starbucks pays their employees to travel out of state to murder their babies. McDonald's won't let unjabbed parents visit their sick kids in Ronald McDonald clown hospitals. Tim Hortons is tracking your movement through their app, and they won't let unboosted people attend their woke camps. Spend your money on coffee that not only tastes way better than these Marxist companies, but also supports and donates to freedom in Canada. Go to resistancecoffee.com LCC today and indulge in liberal tears or maybe, and this is what I have today, defund the CBC, because as we're going to see today, we definitely don't need any more of our legacy media. Let's get a sip of this. Oh, freedom is so delicious. So delicious. Also, if you use that slash LCC link, you will get 10% off your entire purchase. That's right. Our friends at Resistance Coffee wants to give you great stuff at an even better price. Great coffee. Great savings and freedom fighting in Canada. That's resistancecoffee.com slash LCC. In our first story, the state of California, a state that's just as bad as Canada, has just passed legislation that is, I kid you not, pro-pedophilia and pro-man-boy love. This comes to us from Breitbart News. And I'll say this also, if you have little ones with an earshot, you know, parents, stay-at-home moms might listen to our podcast. Uh, if you have kids, you may want to fast forward this part and then come back to it a little bit later when the kids are down or kind of shoo your kids out of the room just for this story because some of the language will be rather explicit because we need to highlight the utter madness of this story. So you've been warned. This comes to us from Breitbart News. According to SB 145... The legislation, quote, would exempt from mandatory registration as a sex offender a person convicted of certain offenses involving minors if the person is not more than 10 years older than the minor and if that offense 
is the only one requiring the person to register. The measure would allow a judge to decide if an adult who engages in oral or anal sex with a child must register as a sex offender if that person is within 10 years of the age of the victim. So let me let me weave through that a little bit and let me break it down for you. In other words, if a 22-year-old man wants to have sex with a 12-year-old boy or girl, but he doesn't want to be put on a sex offender registra registration, all he has to do is convince the judge that it's consensual if he gets caught and engage in anal or oral sex as opposed to vaginal sex. This legislation is vile. It is abusive. And all it does is expose our children to more harm from pedophiles and more soul destruction. And if you think that this is only going to stay in the far off land of California and that our own neo-Marxist, socialistic-leaning elected officials don't want to bring this same kind of legislation into being in Canada, you probably haven't been paying that much attention because this is precisely the point of Drag Time Story Hour and this is precisely the point of the over-sexualization of our children to desensitize us to this sort of stuff so that it becomes normative, so that eventually... They don't even want there to be any penalty at all, so long as it's consensual and beyond. Ab absolutely, Andrew. And the fact of the reality, and this has been well documented by a lot of different sources, and it's, it's you know, uh, a not so little known secret, but it's definitely been tr tried to be hid and covered up. The homosexual movement, the gay agenda, was being foisted in conjunction with NAMBLA, the North American Man-Boy Love Association, okay? So um, these are men who have sex with boys. It's man-boy love. And that has always been a huge part of the the lgbtqia plus community but it has not been the part of the community that has been uh front facing it's it's been put uh, uh, you know it's the the headlines been buried and um there's actually been books that really really cover this uh pretty um pretty well in depth in fact a, a book that i've talked about um called after the ball how America will overcome its uh, fear of gays in the 90s, uh, written by actually uh, a, a one Canadian author. Um, they talk about the fact that this has to be, they don't actually condemn the act of, you know, like you said, adult males having sex with, with boys. Um, they don't actually condemn that. But what they say is that is... Um, an act that must that has done a lot of damage to the reputation of the LGBT community. Therefore, we have to sweep that under the rug so we can desensitize people to our lifestyle before we actually 
look to show people behind that curtain. And that's what you're seeing here, Andrew. You said, well, this law will allow for a 22-year-old man to have sex with a 12-year-old girl or a boy. While that is true, there is no coincidence that the carve-out in the law is only for two things, anal sex and oral sex. What are the two ways that homosexual men have sex, Andrew? Well, I mean, what you just mentioned, that's that yeah. they, they have no other means of engaging in yeah. traditional coitus, vaginal yeah. sex. They don't have that. That's that is not a, po- a possibility for them, except and, if and, you believe that some men have vaginas like the crazy leftist <laughs> want us to believe, which is a backwards, absolutely. upside down zoo clown world. But yeah, absolutely. And so if you think that's a coincidence, you're in you're living in a different world. This is intentional and it's to make room for creating a carve out for man boy love. We're talking about children having sex with adults. So long as the age gap is arbitrarily within 10 years, I don't know why that would matter. Who cares? Um it they're they're obviously allowing children who we don't allow to consent or partake in a lot of different behaviors in our society because we understand that they're children and they're decades away from their prefrontal cortex being fully developed. Uh, they still need to be taught how to discern right from wrong, how to you know. I mean, if we based... press this, if we press this all the way to the the the, the beginning of the spectrum, I didn't, yeah. this is nineteen and nine. I'm yeah. not my son is 9. This is this is gross. This is yeah. evil and you're right it's arbitrary. 15 and 25, why not 15 and 45? Th- I mean and it, this and validates the- all of our Oh, you're slippery slope. How can, this validates exactly. all we called exactly. all this. Like this, exactly. The, the gay mirage was a rainbow-colored Trojan horse Absolutely. to bring every kind of vile unhuman anti-image of god godless kind of sexual practice and to make it normative and everyone who said oh you're being alarmist you're being you know that's the the slippery slope fallacy friends we are halfway down the slope and we are sliding into destruction so that you can't say that anymore and it's not a slippery it's not a slippery slope argument if you don't have any guardrails <laughs> you know right. like if there is no standard if you're just creating arbitrary you know limitations on these laws it's that's exactly what we said when it's come to assisted suicide you just create arbitrary standards that logically cannot hold so then you know it's you have created a slope and there's only one direction that it can go possibly so it's not a slippery slope uh, a fallacy it's just pointing out the fact that all these are just arbitrary standards and as we've seen for so many different things, the, the goalposts aren't going to stay there. The, the, they're going to move, and they're going to move drastically. And now we're talking about California allowing men to have sex with boys and them creating a carve-out that, that defines it some other way other than pedophilia. And, and that's the, the reality of the situation. And I know we have people who comment on our videos um, – uh, who listen to our stuff who are always like why do you keep t- 
talking about same-sex marriage or homosexuality, you know, people can't choose those things. You know, that's inherent, sexual orientations inherent in the individual. And that's a load of hogwash. That's Freudianism. That's, that is, that is not proven by science. It's, it's a Freudian philosophy that has its roots in German romanticism. So enough of that. There is nothing that proves that. It's biblically speaking, these are actions done by individuals. So it, it, when we're thinking of this biblically, we're not talking about uh, an inherent God-given trait. We're talking about actions done by individuals. And maybe they're acting on lusts that are common to their fallen nature, but it's, it's no, human beings are not oriented based on who they want to have sex with. And human beings can control our desires and our lusts and our emotions. But when we throw off all the shackles and we say anything goes, this is what we're left with. We're, right. we're creating carve-outs for pedophilia. And when you and, say, and, I can't and, control who I love if they're the same sex as me, then they're saying, well, I can't control who I love if they're 10 years, 20 years younger than me. It's the same, they're going to use the same argument yeah. against us. And this is why we, exactly. this is why we draw the line at biblical marriage. I had someone in the freedom movement in the city in which I live reach out to me a number of months ago. They saw some of the stands I took. They saw me in Ottawa during the convoy, and they reached out saying, hey, I haven't been doing a church thing for a while, but I see you're a pastor. Tell me about your church. You know, What's your stance on gay unions? And I said, we believe that marriage is created and designed for one man and one woman in a covenantal, monogamous, faithful marriage for life. Period. Anything other than that is a sinful violation of God's law and God's design. And this person proceeded to say that I'm a bigot, that I'm just as bad as Trudeau. And I responded to this person, oh, so then how do you speak against pedophiles? I specifically brought up this example and I said, if I can't say who I can or can't have sex with, then how can, then are you okay with, with children having sex with adults? And this person said to me, I'm not talking about that. Why are you bringing that up? That'll never happen. We'll never go there. And I tried to tell this person, are you, are you, are you mad? If you take off all, if you take off all the boundaries, if you say there are no barriers, there are no moorings to hold this together, this is what you're left with. And I told this person, you wait it will become more and more normative. And their response was, well, common sense and just kind of civil, you know, the societal understandings will never go there. Friends, California is there. And if California is there, we're going to be there. And uh, this is why it matters who you vote for, by the way, who you vote for, engagement in politics. It matters for this reason, because these these are the kind of laws that come out from people who reject a biblical worldview and who try to build their foundations either on sand or in midair, and both of those have no no grounding, and all you're left with is something that will destroy our children. This will destroy our children the more and more this legislation works itself out. Absolutely, and, and we have to understand that um, a lot of freedom-minded individuals who might not be where we are at when it comes to LGBTQ issues are like, oh, we have so many problems in society. The Marxists are trying to take over. Look at all the uh, what they're doing. And I have to then point to them, hey, have you, have you seen the new LGBTQ flag, the Pride Progress flag? How is it that somehow sexual orientation is now mixed with 
people's skin color? BIPOC people? How did they make it onto the flag? Because it's the same Marxist critical consciousness that goes into everything, right? When we're talking about queer theory, it's the same thing as critical race theory, right? Normalcy, instead of the white race, is that bourgeois property that needs to be overcome. And you need to create an equitable society by de destroying the bounds of normalcy, in queer theory, just as the same way you need to overthrow the white hege hegemony in critical race theory. They're the exact same thing. One is sex and normalcy Marxism. The other is race Marxism. They're all Marxist to the core. And they made that explicit when they put them all on the same flag. So how you can't see that, I don't know. I don't know how you can't see that. Well, because I, what I they, what they deny is they deny the reality of a creator who's made people in God's and, image. So what they're and, doing and is created norms. And they're and yeah, and what they're doing is they're saying we need to base our identity, we need to group and categorize people, we need to elevate certain classes of people based on various characteristics, like ethnicity or skin color or who they want to have sex with or whether or not they have a physical disability all these things which some of them are immutable some of them are mutable some can't change some can change but all of these things are not at their core what make human beings human beings worthy of dignity and value and honor and and what makes a human a human, what gives them their identities, so they're basing on all these other things. So, you, of course, you can group it all together. And then on the other side of the equation are those of us who are saying the only worth and value and dignity a human being has is because they have been made in the image of God and in his likeness. They share in some of his attributes and they communicate to the world what God is like by who they are and how they act and anything else is 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 arbitrary and destructive and all those all those image bearers regardless of color race creed whatever are worthy of dignity and respect because of that image that they're created in but all are held accountable to live according to god's standards and god's norms so we're not picking and choosing the standards and the norms that we want to talk about on the program we're yeah we didn't we, matt and i didn't write the rule book we didn't no, come up no. with the standards the that's not us you, the, the people who would balk at the fact that we talk about these things are the people who are picking and choosing which battles that they want to fight yep. and which are not appropriate. We're just delivering the mail, okay? We're reading it. If, if you have a problem, take it up with, with the standard bearer. Um, and and I, I suggest that you do that in humility and, and on bended knee and not um, in, in, in hubris. So anyways, let's move on. We have a lot to cover, Andrew. But before we get in... To our next story, I know you have a word from our next sponsor. Yeah, we need to talk a little bit about one of our newest sponsors, someone who's joined with us in partnership for freedom, and that's Bull Bitcoin. Our federal government's response to economic difficulties is to print money until it's worthless, driving up the cost of everything, essentially stealing from your hard-earned pay. They also want to monitor your spending by way of centralized digital currency, and they want to control you by way of digital ID. What you need is to take control of your own resources and be responsible for your own money, which is your responsibility. 
Bull Bitcoin wants to help you do just that. Bull Bitcoin is a 100% self-funded, freedom-minded Canadian Bitcoin exchange that wants to protect your financial freedom and help you protect your resources. If you're at all aware of what's going on in our country, you should seriously consider connecting with my friends at Bull Bitcoin and buying at least some Bitcoin today. Sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC and have all of your questions answered. Bull Bitcoin is the exchange I personally use for all of my Bitcoin purchases. And Matt and I will say that we are neither financial advisors nor economic experts. Do your research, ask your questions, but please visit mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. Our next story is the next chapter in the saga that is Western University, whose actions and policies feel more like a Western. It feels like the Wild West without any reasonable person or any reasonable measure, and that anyone with any sense of rationale would look at and say, that's kind of crazy, like the Wild Wild West. On the university website page, the vice president of Western University, the high chairman Benito Fauci III, wait, no, I read that, I read that wrong, sorry, Florentine Streslick said this, after careful consultation with health experts, yeah, right, and members of our community, because they obviously know what to do, Western's masking requirement will continue until the end of the fall term. Public health continues to encourage the use of masks to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Please respect those who choose to continue to wear masks. Safety ambassadors will monitor classrooms to help ensure COVID-19 protocols are being followed. Your emperor has spoken. I added that, that little last bit there, but I thought you wouldn't be able to really tell the difference because that's, that's madness. That's absolute COVID ambassadors will make sure that you are doing what the party wants. That, like that is dripping with 1984. That's what it, that it, is. It, it really is also weird to me because. Not just to you, Matt. Not just to there, you. There, there's a requirement to wear masks, but then at the same time, they're saying, please respect those who choose to continue to wear masks but mm -hmm. which but aren't you requiring people to wear masks there might so, be some exemptions maybe or I, I i thought there was something that said that certain in certain classroom settings depending on the kind of teaching that's required you may have to remove a mask or a mask might be mm -hmm. optional it's, it's arbitrary there are no so again it is the wild up. wild west there are no rules <laughs> it, it is yeah. a western it's it's everything yeah. goes shoot you in the saloon and then we'll meet out at high noon and then drink whatever you want put on a mask get the third shot of poison it's a western mm -hmm. it's wild yeah it, and it absolutely is and it's interesting like you know they don't distinguish what type of masks right so again you could just use cloth masks, uh, neck warmers, uh, socks, surgical masks, yep. socks, whatever. Uh, we know that 
those absolutely don't stop the spread of COVID. So it is literally just virtue signaling theater at this point. But that is essentially what Western wants to do. And um, that is why we are helping students push back against Western, which you can check out with our various different podcasts. We've covered a couple times on the dispatch. I'll be, make sure to throw in the, the comment section uh, some of those podcasts that we did. Michael has also talked to a whistleblower, a staff member there at Western, and Julie Panessi, a former faculty member um, from Western University. So we'll throw all those links in the description so you can keep following a, a, along in the story. And the reason we do cover it so closely and so much is because we uh, are fighting for the freedom and the rights uh, of, of these students and these faculties uh, from Western University. So anyways, it's just another another nail in the coffin of, of Western University. And I, I think, Andrew, um, this edifice of higher education and even public education in general is starting to crumble. I think uh, it's it's long due, long past due that it crumbles. But I think these institutions and the way that they've approached the last two and a half years has really shown the mask has slipped. People now understand who they are, what they stand for. And I think people are kind of fed up across our culture with institutions like Western and their their general tact and approach to, you know, even the basic rights and freedoms of Canadian citizens. So I hope that Western loses a ton of funding. I hope they lose a ton of tuition. Uh, I don't know whether I want to see them sick, suffer sick a slow and painful hemorrhaging of, of <laughs> money and students and then death or rather a quick and swift end. Um, I don't know which one I prefer. Both of them both of them are good. Let, let's see both of those. And I want to clarify, I'm obviously not talking about the people or the faculty. I'm talking about the institution itself, which, like you said, they have betrayed the fact that these are not actually institutions of education, of training, and of exposing youth and young adults to a diversity of opinions in order to strengthen their own opinions to change what's lacking and to come out the other side more equipped and better to actually engage as a citizen and contribute to the welfare and well-being of the country all they're doing is some unholy combination of virtue signaling and marxist indoctrination that's what these institutions have become. They have not mm -hmm. become places where any reasonable parent would send their student. Like, why would you send your why would you send your student to a place that says we only allow you if you put poison in you that doesn't work, cover your face with cloth that doesn't work, but don't worry, we'll teach them good, right? We'll we'll teach them good. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, I'll also link in the description um, a podcast series uh, done by James Lindsay over at New Discourses about the strange death of the universities. And he actually uh, points out that um, there is a shift to, as you t talk about turning universities into Marxist indoctrination uh, uh, factories, um, 
there is a push to change the entire structure of universities across the world to fit within the UN 2030 agenda. And that is being pushed by UNESCO, which is the education arm of the UN. So it just, it, it's kind of beside the point where we're talking about uh, Western university, but it is really interesting. And it's kind of on the subject of, of that strange death of the universities that I think uh, we need to all be aware of. And, I think actions like this are just in keeping what we've seen these institutions that were once vaunted, once highly trusted, highly respected. You know, again, I'm going to say it. It's not death by homicide. It's death by suicide. They've done this. They've put the egg on their own face. And we just have to, when the mask slips and we find out who people really are, let's take them at their word. Let's not make excuses for it. When the wolf shows you his teeth, don't show him your arm. Okay? We we need to understand yeah, don't, that. Don't as say, oh, or sorry, don't you dropped this. Yeah, yeah, don't say, oh, sorry, you dropped this and then pick up the mask. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you dropped this. Please put this back on. Oh, that's yeah. better. Now I feel more comfortable. I feel yeah. more comfortable living in a la-la dream world where I don't have to confront reality, where I have to actually say, hey, maybe you're not in it for my good. No, no, please, just continue the deception I feel more comfortable with that. Absolutely. Ugh. Well, I want to tell you about my friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners. Listen, it is no surprise that you need to get the heck out of mainstream media. And chances are, if you're watching this show, you have because you are very much awake to what's going on. But not just media. I want to get you guys out of mainstream investment management as well. Whether it's planning for retirement or just looking for ways to protect your wealth from overreaching government, Rocklink can help you out. They're not a big bank, and they're not owned by the Davos crowd. They're a private company filled with freedom-loving Canadians offering independent investment advice. Give them a call at 905-631-5462, or send them an email, info at rocklink.com. That's info at rocklink.com. And Matt, before you launch into this third story, I, I just want to say here, you know, we have two different sponsors now, two people partnering with us dealing in the realm of finances. And what we want to communicate to our audience is you need to be responsible for your money, that the freedoms <laughs> and responsibility that that's on you, which means yeah. you need to think about your money, what you're spending and where it's going. You need to think mm. about, do I have my money in one of the big five banks that's going to seize it? What, how my, a wise person thinks about an inheritance for his children. So you don't have to be a gazillionaire to get connected with Rocklink Investment Partners, for example. You can simply say, you know, I'd like to maybe build into something for my kids for when they're a little bit older if they hopefully pursue education at an institution that isn't a total waste of time or money. Maybe even for myself to have something to at some point so that we don't have to worry about our needs being met. Right, we, we, we want to offer you like-minded, freedom-minded companies that want to help you, that actually want to help you steward your resources well to be free and responsible, which is going to make for a healthy, strong Canada. So I'm very thankful for our partners, including Bull Bitcoin and Rocklink Investment Group. Yeah, don't be like our government officials and scapegoat other people for your financial mismanagement. And that is what the story we're going to cover. Uh, that wasn't even the script. That was about. all Matt, by the way. He, that's <laughs> If you're watching this, 
Give Matt kudos. We didn't plan that. He just he came up with that right now. That's money. <laughs> well, it's not hard. But, I mean, it's hard to bring stories like this to, <laughs> to thinking people. Okay. So, Andrew, the third story is the, the fact that a socialist motion has passed the House of Commons. One of many, uh, mind you. But <laughs> we're specifically talking about uh, a bill that will tackle so-called greedflation, which is how the NDP have styled it. So the Socialist Party of Canada, euphemistically known as the New Democratic Party, which was literally formally, formerly birthed out of the Communist Party of Canada. That's, that's not a lie. That's just the fact of history. Um, they have put forward this bill to tackle greed inflation. And from Yahoo News, it says an NDP opposition day motion to tackle corporate greed and the rising costs of food passed with unanimous support from the Liberals' conservatives... Conservatives, also Andrew, the Bloc Quebec Party, and the Green, uh, Green, the, the Green Party, the Green Party on October seventeenth. The motion, sponsored by NDP agricultural critic Alistair McGregor, on October sixth, calls on the federal government to quote recognize that corporate greed is a significant driver of inflation and to take further action to support families during this cost of living crisis. So Andrew, there you have it. The dimwits who are uh, called our elected officials who have the title of honorable before their names, they want to use taxpayer money to investigate corporate greed as the cause of food price inflation. Uh, okay, <laughs> so what what I really want to talk about here is the party formerly known as the Conservative Party. But before I say a few words about that, there, there's a, there two questions came to my mind that we're not going to answer because we know the answers. But the first question is this: what about what about big pharma greed? <laughs> And the and the trillions of dollars that have exchanged hands in the last two and a half years, and NDP's the number of it. the number <laughs> of elected officials who happen to be either on the board of this organization or that happen to have patents in that organization or that happen to have stocks and shares in this organ. So we're not going to talk about big pharma corporate. We're not going to talk about big pharma greed because big pharma greed has made them all wealthy. So we're going to talk about yeah. that. Um, yeah. So that, but I want to talk about the, the the party formerly known as the Conservative Party, because there's there's all there's all this talk about oh well Pierre Polyevre and he stands for freedom. Listen, that guy gave this a thumbs up. If you if ever you needed a reason to not vote for him and the party formerly known as the Conservative Party, this is the reason. There I thought is, he was supposed to be the econ guy. There is Wasn't he the nothing, economy guy? This, this, this is this is him get. This is this is this is it. Okay, yes. I think people are struggling 100%. because of high prices. I think I need to get on the rights. That's all this is. Yeah. This, we can't be seen to vote against this based right. off principle. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. conservative about this. Yeah. This yeah. is no. this is full on commie play. That's what this mm -hmm. is, and so I want to. 
reinforce a position I've taken, right? I'm not necessarily telling you who to vote for. I think that at the end of the day, every riding, every candidate must be researched. Mm -hmm. But what I am saying is this. You can't vote for the Conservative Party. <laughs> that's that's. I'm not saying who you should well, vote for, but what I am telling you is this is more evidence that there ain't no shred of conservatism. Period. Every federal conservative gave this gave this a thumbs up. None of them opposed this, including the savior of Canada, Pierre Pauly Ever. None of them oppose this in the same way that none of them oppose Bill C-4. And I want to say now, for all of you that are trying to make excuses for them, just drop that nonsense. I don't buy it anymore. Oh, Bill C-4 was really fast and it happened quickly. They couldn't really say anything about it and they were caught off guard. Okay, what, and, and this? What about this? What about all the other bills? What about the what about the Ontario Conservatives? Now the new bill C the, the Bill 16, which we're going to talk about soon, which is the revamp Bill 67, the racial equity in the school in the education system. It's conservatives that are pushing this. Don't you understand that? You can't vote for them. They don't have your best interests in mind. They are simply reds in a blue jacket. That's all they are. They are they are liberals with a blue paint job. The more you keep voting for them because you believe the vote-splitting lie, the more you will get this. Because functionally, they are no different than the communists in the, in the NDP and the far-left radicals in the liberals and the enviro-fascists of the Green Party. They're all the same. They're all the yeah. same. And, and, and it has to be pointed out, the liberals and the NDP, when they attack the conservatives for not really adhering to their supposed economic principles, they're right. I hate to say it. They're right. So I don't know why conservatives go along with this nonsense when it then is going to be used against them, right? The liberals can point to the fact that Pierre Polyev said nothing when it came to all the COVID spending. So he's out here saying, hey, the government is the chief uh, source of, of inflation with all the monetary inflation that they've done over the last two and a half years. He's right. But instead of standing against it, he went for it in every in every conceivable way. He never pushed back against this insanity. And I want to talk a little bit about inflation because I think it's important for us to understand why this is so, uh, you know, illiterate. It's so economically illiterate. Like I'm not an economic expert, but I have a basic understanding in economics that that rises above the level of a, a Jagmeet Singh, who's apparently just. You know, he's got the economic understanding of a petulant 10th grader who skips class to sm smoke weed. <laughs> Only thing he's good at is making sure that his turban color coordinates with his tie. That's, yes, that's all and, that's, and his wife's dress. That's yeah. all he's good at. And, and, and engaging in grievance uh, politics. Yeah, right? that's all race, he's good race at. Hustling yeah. and, and up, race hustling up and, and minority hustling. Yeah, absolutely. He's a, a just absolute terrible human being. With, with and he's he's yeah. Don't don't vote NDP either. Don't yeah. vote for the conservatives or the Ed. Can we say that? Don't vote NDP. No I'm blue, a, no orange, no red, no green. Yeah, I I've actually in the past uh, suggested that people in churches who would vote uh, NDP should be put under church discipline. Uh oh, uh, <laughs> shots fired. Anyways, um, and it, it, it probably could go for all the parties at this point. But anyways. So I want to I want to be really 
you know, a little technical, but I think it will help our listeners get get their heads around on what if inflation is. So we use that term and we kind of throw it around loosely, and it's co- colloquially the term used for rising prices. But it's very important to distinguish between inflation and rising prices, which would be more accurately price inflation and inflation, which is actually monetary inflation, right? So when the supply of money is increased, people have more money to offer for goods, okay? That's that's how we have to understand this. This is what inflation is. If the supply of goods does not increase or does not increase as much as the supply of money, then prices of goods will go up. Each individual dollar becomes less valuable because there's more dollars in circulation. That is, there is an inverse relationship between the amount of money in circulation and the PPM. That's the purchasing power of money. So the more money in circulation, the less purchasing power that that dollar actually has, right? So a price is an exchange ratio between the dollar amount, so the monet- the medium of exchange, for a unit of goods. When people have more dollars, the value of each dollar is less. Goods then rise in price, not because goods are scarcer than before, but because dollars are more abundant. However, if you have loose monetary policy, uh, coupled with supply chain shortages, as we currently have, as is the case around the world, what do you get? You get skyrocketing high price inflation. So there you go. Andrew, we don't need the commission. I've saved you all the time and the effort. That's just econ 101. That's basic inflation. And the amazing part is the NDP is going after specifically food suppliers and Loblaws, right? Because Loblaws is this huge grocer who owns what they own, Sobeys, um, Safeway. They own... The, literally the biggest grocers in, in President's across Choice, Canada. I think no frills, but, President's Choice, that's all them. So so they own all these massive grocers. Well, guess what, Andrew? Do you remember the last two and a half years? You remember the only store that you were allowed to go into for <clears throat> at least a year and a half? It was gigantic grocers. The government literally said this type of business is essential. All other non-essential business have to shutter their door. And then you're surprised as the government that Loblaws, who owns all the big grocers across Canada pretty much, is making record profits. That then you turn around and you're using taxpayer money to investigate greedflation. And you're never looking at the fact that the government has blown out the spending over the last two and a half years like we've never seen before. Literally spending us into oblivion. And all that money and that debt was printed <laughs> and, and taken on by our central banking system. It's, it just absolutely blows you know my what mind. This is like, this is like, um, this is like Spider-Man 2. So the original Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire, where Dr. Octopus 
thinks that he can create a small black hole. So he takes that that metal and then he has the laser beams shine on it and then it boom, then it becomes like a little more a sun or whatever, it becomes a little star. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, we're gonna contain it. And he has his robotic arms to contain it, but it keeps growing and growing. He's like, no, 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 it's okay, I can contain it. And then as it grows and it grows, the magnetic field starts pulling off everyone's jewelry and Spider-Man starts freaking out. No, I got it, I can contain it, I can contain it. And so eventually it reaches a point where it's so critical that it's now actually dangerous and it's going to start to rip the building apart. So Spider-Man jumps in and he has the right attitude. Spider-Man's a conservative and his attitude is, listen, pull the plug. Just pull the plug on the whole thing. You can't actually contain it. You can't try to regulate it. Just cut the thing down and start over again. And then Dr. Octopus, who's like the federal government, is like, no, 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 we can fix this by laws and regulations and then sure enough what happens is the thing grows so big it grows so big and then it destroys the chip and it kills his wife and total chaos and then finally spider-man has to pull the plug out and then what does what dr rocky right he blames everyone else other than himself for having created this monster that has now devoured everything total chaos and the villain in this story becomes the one who pulled the plug, who said, the whole thing's broken. We need to just rip it apart and start over again. That is a picture of, of what's going on here. Yeah, it's it's truly amazing, man. And and I haven't even mentioned the fact that, you know, I've talked about massive spending, deficit spending, like we've never seen before in the history of our nation. Amazing amounts of And when you say never inflation. seen before, I want I want to give a picture for our viewers here. When you say never seen before, what Matt means by that is that the deficit spending under the Trudeau regime is greater than every single prime minister in the history of Canada combined. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. We're not talking about oh, it's just a little no. It is more than every previous prime minister combined. That's yeah. what we're talking about for deficit spending here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you have governments across the world who are engaged in monetary, uh, modern monetary theory, just blowing out the spending. And what we're seeing is just insane. We're seeing the proper economic response to crazy amounts of spending, monetary inflation out the wazoo. And then at the same time, taxing fossil fuels which literally affect the price of every good because i'm sure you've seen it andrew but uh guess what there's these like big trucks that drive around our nation that are a lot of the times containing food you and, mean, and wait, wait, you mean a fringe, going you mean a fringe minority that's a fringe minority <laughs> yeah, right yeah, yeah With exactly. unacceptable views that bring us all our food <laughs> that's them yeah well well so when you when you raise the price on and you raise taxes on gas guess what that that literally trickles down to absolutely every other price in the market so it just blows my mind that our our government officials are so insanely idiotic that they need to start a commission to investigate supposed greedflation based primarily on policies that they've undertaken over the last few years. Which itself is also a waste of money. There's more money to be spent. <laughs> the greatest, so that's the pro- What's the problem? The problem is the money beast. How do we fix yes. it? 
throw more here. Take more money at it, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, 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 oh, and that's, that's the always that's always the way that the bureaucratic, administrative, socialistic, technocracy state operates is they create the problem through government interventionism. And what is their proposal to solve the problem? More government interventionism. Stop it. Just stop. Yeah, it's like that Michael, it's that, that Michael Jordan meme where it's like, <laughs> stop it. Just yes. get some help. Yes. Please yes. stop. Yeah. Stop. Listen, to, listen stop to MJ. It. Listen to MJ. Yeah. Oh, and, boy. Uh, while, while, while don't we're, vote for idiots like Jagmeet Singh. While we're, while we're talking about villains and, and buffoonery, let's, uh, let's talk about some good guys here. Let's talk about our friends before we get into the next story and the last story of the day. We want to we want to talk about our friends over at Red Balloon, and this last story actually, you know, is, is I'm about to talk about our friends at Red Balloon. This last story ties in very well because I know that 2020 and 2021 feel like a lifetime ago, but I remember businesses being forced to shut down or businesses forcing their employees to muzzle their faces. Businesses firing people unless they could prove that they'd put an experimental jab in them. Whatever happened to workplaces being about hard work, integrity, and respecting our rights and freedoms. That's why you need to connect with Red Balloon today. If you're a Canadian business that wants solid employees who don't care about having a woke, statist, ESG-friendly workplace, then sign up at redballoon.work LCC to post jobs for great employees. And if you're looking for a workplace that will respect your rights, freedoms, and conscience, sign up at redballoon.work slash LCC to find great employers. Let's make Canadian businesses cancel-proof, and let's build a solid economy together at redballoon.work slash LCC. Our last. Oh, Andrew, do we have more stories? We do. This is good. No, this is this is is good because this is a little bit. This is a little bit sweet, sweet vindication, mixed in with a little bit of sour. Nothing will probably happen, but we press. If I just sit in the corner and cry for the rest of the episode, I I apologize. Well, based on based on our last episode, apparently, (laughs) if you have phantom honking. And uh, if you throw yes. eggs at truckers, then you're allowed to rest in your safe your safe space. <laughs> Thanks, so, Zexy. <laughs> yeah, Zexy Lee. Oh, I'm like, don't even get me started uh, on that okay. diva. All right. Our last okay. story is the ongoing public inquiry into the invoking of the War Measures Act to see essentially if it was legal and justified to call in horses to trample over indigenous grandmothers and pepper spray pastors who were praying for people, like my friends, who were arrested and pepper sprayed for paying for the very officers that were beating them down with batons and sound grenades. Let me try to weave this all together for our audience. So I'm not going to take it kind of day by day, but I'm gonna, we're going to put together a picture of really what days three and four highlighted for us in the midst of this commission. So... Both Ottawa manager Steve Kanalakos and Mayor Jim Watson's chief of staff, Serge Arpin, said that there was regular and fruitful communication between convoy organizers and municipal officers. And these communications, this interaction, they were being conducted in good faith. This is from the Ottawa officials. In fact, 
both the convoy organizers and Ottawa police actually came to an agreement to move all of the trucks from the side roads and the residential areas onto Wellington, which is right in front of Parliament Hill. But that never happened the way they wanted it to, not before the War Measures Act was actually invoked. And why? What stopped that from taking place? Is it the violent truckers with their French toast and bouncy castles? No. Testimony revealed that it was the Parliamentary Protective Service and the Ontario Police Service that blocked the deal. They're the ones that stopped this from actually happening. So here's a question that we're going to address in a little bit. Is it a coincidence that they shut down a good faith deal right before Trudeau brought in his tyranny? Maybe. Or maybe they knew about it. Hmm, I wonder. Let's continue. More stuff that comes from days three and four. Doug Ford and his government were never present at any meetings between the Ottawa police, the federal government, and Ontario officials in terms of how to deal with the protest. They supposedly, though, Andrew, stood shoulder to shoulder with the prime minister. Yes, but they were Quote never unquote. there. That was, that, that was what Doug said. Thanks, Doug. So, more things. Rumors of low truck operators. So these were the people who were, you know, maybe pulling off the, the, the trucks that they were actually moving stuff away. There were rumors of low truck operators being threatened by, assaulted by, or simply mistreated by the protesters. All these rumors completely debunked during testimony in the last two days. There was not a single report. You have to hear this. Not a single report of damage done to either a low truck operator or their trucks and equipment that was confirmed. Claims that fire trucks were unable to deal with the fire at the Chateau Laurier that they couldn't get through, also proven false. We know for a fact now that at least three fire trucks were able to get on the scene to deal with the fire. Senior officials in the federal government who were shown in text messages to speak in a rather denigrating terms about the protesters were aware of negotiations between convoy organizers and the city of Ottawa to move the trucks. So it clearly wasn't a coincidence that after the deal to move the trucks was shut down, Trudeau invoked the act. Okay, let me, so this is, so Ottawa officials, federal government officials knew for a fact that the convoy organizers and the city of Ottawa were planning to move the trucks off of the side roads onto Wellington, away from residential areas while keeping lanes clear Knowing that that was in progress, they still invoked the War Measures Act before this was to take place, shut down the deal, and made the truckers obviously look like the bad guys. So that's part of what was revealed in the last two days of hearings. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's... I don't even want to talk about this stuff anymore, Andrew. <laughs> I'm so depressed. But Anyways, our audience pressing... needs to know, Matt. They need to know because we don't want them I press to sit on through. For you. We don't I want them to sit you. through hours and hours of this. <laughs> this. It's actually kind of. I'm, I'm just. It's, it's, it's a little it's like, entertaining. Told to you so. I knew it. Yeah. I knew. But uh, yeah. we, so we'll do Anyways. the work for them. Okay. 
Let me continue here. The mayor's chief of staff said that the convoy organizers really did, with sincere intentions, desire to work with the city in managing protesters and moving trucks, and that their intentions were true, and it wasn't a stunt, and it was all done in good faith. Mayor Jim Watson said under oath that he was neither consulted nor advised um, of the federal government's intention to invoke the emergencies or war measures act as Andrew likes to call it. Now I want to, I want to read for you an exchange that was documented by true North news here. So when asked about negotiations with the freedom convoy leader prior to the invocation of the emergency act, Watson testified that he could not negotiate with these people. That is the convoy leaders rationally. Uh, convoy lawyer Brendan Miller pressed Watson on that accusation, given that Watson had sent a detailed letter to Tamara Litch outlining the conditions that the protesters would need to meet in order to have a meeting with the mayor. And that member of his staff had been negotiating with convoy leadership in good faith. Watson ultimately agreed that the trucker, truckers held up their end of the deal to move the trucks away from the residential area on Welling Street, Wellington Street. Watson referred to the protesters on the call with Trudeau as vulgar and hateful and told Trudeau that he can't reason with them, accusing protesters of ripping masks off people's face, which he did not see himself and get this i love this part watson also told trudeau that he felt he was dealing with the republican party down south oh no <laughs> a party that had millions and millions and millions and millions of votes for it that is literally one of the two major parties that he is just, just should ready. have said deplorables he should have pulled a hillary clinton and said yeah those freedom deplorables and they at least he would have gotten right to the heart of it and that shows you a lot of who the homosexual mayor of Ottawa, Jim Watson, truly is. He thinks there are people who, just based on their political views, uh, are not worthy of being reasoned to or talked to, despite all the evidence to the contrary. Nevertheless, we press on. When asked by Alan Honor, the litigation director at the Democracy Fund, if he personally saw protesters ripping masks off residents' faces. Ooh, I wonder what well, he said, Matt. Did he see it? Did he actually no, see it like, he didn't. Ev like everyone else who no, said he they didn't. saw violence? Oh, he, oh, he didn't. He heard oh, he didn't. it from the legacy oh. media. It's, 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 you, it's the, the person. I was told that, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it was a stunning testimony by Mayor Jim Watson. And um, I think it shows you his general distaste uh, for anybody conservative enough to um, want to exercise their most basic rights and freedoms as listed in our Constitution and the Charter. Um, anyways, the manager of Ottawa's emergency service uh, services, Kim Aote, testified that the convoy organizers were able to move 40 trucks out of the residential areas the day before the act was invoked. Uh, 
AOD or AOT, I'm not sure the pronunciation, uh, pronunciation, also says they were in constant communication with the city to ensure lanes were kept open for emergency vehicles. It was also debunked that any protesters came into Ottawa with trucks full of guns. That is absolutely, totally, and utterly false propaganda. Uh, what do you have to say, Andrew, uh, to wrap up the show? Well, in summary, I'll put this together. The convoy protest. So, and by in summary, I mean based on four days of testimony, which, spoiler alert, you're basically going to get six weeks of this. It's going to be five more weeks of this. If you, if you think that you're going to hear anything different than this, <laughs> Don't worry. I mean, we'll keep updating you, but we're just going to keep saying the same thing over and over again. I, I think I can. I, I think yeah. I can actually. I can actually wrap up the case for why the Emergency Act had right, to be that's invoked it. In, in, in the first place. It's in one word: feelings. Yes, feelings. Feelings. And this, and well, no, no, no sorry. <laughs> one word and one sound effect. Hark. Those two together. Okay. Yeah, so let's let's summarize four days of hearings. The convoy protest was peaceful and no actual violence was shown to have been perpetrated. The convoy organizers were sincerely working with the city to keep everything safe and legal, ensuring open lanes and clearing out residential areas. The federal government stepped in, shut down the cooperation between convoy organizers and the city, invoked the War Measures Act, and went out of their way to justify the invoking of the act because of unruly protesters and unreasonable organizers proving yet again that our federal government is full of corrupt and godless liars and willingly and deceitfully crushed a peaceful protest rather than account for their lawless and unscientific mandates. Instead of saying, we have ruined your lives, crushed our economy, divided our country, and put lawless, unscientific, irrational, illogical mandates in place based on lies, including the lie that the vaccine stopped transmission, which Pfizer admitted they never tested for, instead of saying, hey, sorry for ruining your life and destroying your family, the convoy sparked as a way to say, you have to be held accountable for that federal government. If you're going to do these things, prove it. You need to be held accountable for it. Instead of saying, my bad, we got this one wrong, they crushed a peaceful protest and lied about it, squashing the cooperation, the lawful and peaceful cooperation between the organizers and the city of Ottawa, and probably hoped that this would never come out this way. Mm -hmm. That's only four Absolutely. days. We have five more weeks. I know. It's, it's hard to hard to imagine. It's amazing that it never entered into their minds that they could have just come to the table in good faith right? and dealt honestly with the, with just the protesters. Anyone. Just anyone. One and, person. And funny, one person the, from the federal <laughs> government. Like I talked with work. I talked with the convoy organizers. I was there yeah. with them having these just all they wanted was one federal official to sit down even over Zoom, right? If they were too terrified that their three yeah. masks and their five shots weren't going to be enough with the plexiglass shield. They just yeah. wanted one conversation to say, these mandates are ruining our lives. These mandates mm -hmm. are destroying our businesses. 
These mandates are devastating Canada. Account for them. Why are you mm -hmm. doing this? Can we find Absolutely. some sort of medium? They were unwilling mm -hmm. to do even that. Yeah, and, and the, the, that's the amazing part is they believe their own feelings, which uh, are not accounted by the, the facts on the ground, right? Jim Watson, uh, Catherine McKinney, all these Zexy Lee, they just had a general feeling of lawlessness, of the fact that you can't reason with these unreasoning apes. It felt, it felt like the purge. <laughs> you know, it's it's all feelings. But then when they say, well, the fact part pattern is shows the exact opposite of everything that you opposite. felt, right? The exact opposite of everything that you felt. But you wouldn't come in good faith to have conversations with these Canadian citizens who were concerned because you had a general feeling that you didn't like these people or that you couldn't reason with them despite the all evidence to the contrary. And that is the reason that you're giving for the need for the invocation of the Emergency Act, which is essentially establishing martial law in Canada. Have you seen that Maury Povich meme? We should probably put that together for the remainder of this hearing where like Maury Povich does those um, paternity tests. And he's like, I have no idea. What so, so Maury Povich is a, is a talk <laughs> yeah. show host. Yeah, no, so I, I, I know that. There's this meme, there's the this meme, meme for paternity tests where what he'll do is he'll sit down with the guy and he'll say, you said that you are the father of little Jaden. It mm. turns out that was a lie. And, and then everyone freaks out. And so I think we should, I'm going to try to put together, not for this episode, but for future episodes, I'm going to put together our own Maury Povich, where it's like, Mayor Watson, you said that the protesters and the organizers were unreasonable. That was a lie. Ooh, and then so, because that, that's going to be the story of this whole this whole hearing, the whole hearing will be, you said this, actually, that was a yeah. lie. That should be the yeah. title of the hearing. That was a lie. Yeah. Uh, so so, just so we're following and keeping the, the whole perspective of this, the uh, Emergencies or War Measures Act, the nuclear option by the government, can be invoked for World War One, Two actual terrorist plot after decades of terrorist activity by the FLQ that literally murdered, kidnapped and murdered a government official and feelings guys that the, that's the scope of, do you not understand the crazy precedent that this sets that we're going to go to the nuclear option because feelings and general government incompetence, because we just didn't want to negotiate with, concerned Canadian citizens. Anyways, I need to leave because I can't talk about any more of this <laughs> today. Um, I hope everybody yeah. appreciates the content. We do like bringing it to you as much as the it is work depressing. we need to do to, to listen to these hearings. And yes. you know what, Matho, for me, it's a little bit, there, like I said, there's a little bit of sweet, sweet vindication as, I'm, as I'm, I'm watching this and I find myself saying, yeah, you know what? Yeah. My friends were slandered. My friends were arrested. My friends were beaten. My friends had their businesses taken away. My friends had their families split apart. People I know and love. I saw this happen. I was on the ground. And to see, at the very least, like even the legacy media can't hide the hearings, right? They have to broadcast the hearings. So the fact that this is coming out, it's a little bit of sweet, sweet vindication to know we, we were telling the truth. We were slandered. We mm -hmm. were maligned. We were lied about. 
it was unjustified. And there's a, at least a part of me, even though people might not go to prison for it and there might not be any consequences for it, even though I hope there are, mm. at the very least, we can, we now know that the truth is being given an opportunity to come out, mm. right? They can't yeah. silence it. They can't squash it. They have mm. to allow the truth to the very least come out. And if nothing else, I'm thankful for that, that we can at least hear the truth come from the lips of these gargoyles. And I think it's important for us to understand that this will shed some light on on the where we are as a nation because a, a peaceful redressing of grievances to your government officials within uh, a representative uh, well, we're a constitutional monarchy is essential to freedom. And if it's going to be that the government can use the nuclear option because of feelings, never ever entertaining any of these the redress of grievances, then we no longer live in, in, in a free country. And if we're going to have a kangaroo court just going through the motions and not actually coming to terms with what actually took place then this is going to change things. Canada is in a dangerous state. I'm glad that this is coming out. And I think this will shed a lot of light on where we actually are as a nation and, and what we, what freedoms we still do enjoy. So I really appreciate everybody tuning in. We so do value the fact that you give us your time. Um, we, we would encourage you to continue to watch some of our past episodes as well. Uh, we, we cover a lot of uh, various information that uh, you're definitely going to want to have that is going to break you out of the, the silly nonsense of legacy media. And we're trying to build our institution. So we would suggest you go over to libertycoalitioncanada.com that you would click on that donate tab at the top of the page or scan the QR code along the bottom of the screen because every little bit of money helps us push back against the prevailing narrative from legacy media and hold our government to account. So we do really appreciate your eyes and ears and we hope you would continue to stick with us and support us in all that we're trying to do here at the Liberty Coalition Canada. But until next time, Galatians 5-1. Godspeed. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.libertycoalitioncanada.com.